It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, sponsored by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey! I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Brewing from Musketeer Report. we got a lot of ground to cover on this uh, Sunday evening, Monday day edition of the podcast. Rick, let's start with Xavier. Um, sky was falling, obviously, after that, that Creighton, or after that uh, Villanova game. It always seems to be. Uh, the, the key was, don't let it don't let it linger. Um, you had mentioned the possibility of some lineup changes that, that could take place that maybe you'd like to see. And Chris Mack makes not just one, but but a couple of lineup changes. Talk about how that impacted those guys that were inserted and one of the guys that, that, that was taken out of the lineup. Yeah, well, with Karam Canner starting, I didn't think that was as much of a big lineup change. He made that because Tyree hurt his hand in practice. And Karam had already been playing more minutes than the other two bigs anyway, so I didn't think it really mattered if he started the first four-minute war or not. He was going to get his minutes because he's been Xavier's best player over the last few weeks. But in terms of the wing situation, putting Najee Marshall in for Kaiser Gates, putting Najee at the three, sliding Trayvon down to the four, I think it helped in multiple ways. Um, But the biggest was just dangling the carrot for Kaiser Gates, making him uncomfortable and aware that we need more out of you. And I talked about on the last podcast, you had done everything you could do to this point to get Kaiser Gates going, and he just wasn't giving you consistent effort. And the last several games, he just he really didn't give you anything. So getting him back on track defensively with his effort, with his rebounding, he had eight rebounds, two offensive, and uh, he made some threes and finished with 16 points. I thought that was big. Don't you think he's kind of better as a spark off the bench maybe anyway, especially like Najee's not – he's versatile. He does a lot of things, but I don't think he's a guy you count on to be like an offensive spark when you insert him into the game in terms of, you know, the way Mang two threes and change momentum in a four-minute segment or whatever. Um, it, it seems like to me at least Najee playing with JP and Trayvon, you know, from the start – gives him a little different look and then when you bring Kaiser off the bench he can heat up and get you going like he did I I kind of think that might be true because like you're saying you can bring Kaiser into the game off the bench and run a couple sets or just at least a couple familiar actions that free him within those first couple possessions you might get him going Um, but regardless of that with Najee you're right he comes out and he's so competitive from the tip he's not a guy that needs to get going and that can help you off the bench because he brings energy off the bench but I really like the tone he sets to start the game defensively because he's so competitive yeah and so kind of along your lines I mean for, for Kaiser I think you the the initial assumption is well he took it to heart and look what he did because maybe he is better coming off the bench I mean some yeah, guys are I mean, there, there's some guys that are just better coming off the bench and I think there's something to be said for having that guy on your bench that can come in and sure. give you offense and a lot of times you know the bench guys that come in they're they're more role players or rebounding guys or toughness guys or whatever if you got a guy on your bench that can come in and bang three or four threes and put up 16 points makes, that is a huge spark it feels like sometimes in the first 4 minutes of games you're 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 probably more inclined to run a couple extra sets just to get a feel for what the other team's doing right he's kind of more get a little free flow going where you lose him in transition he's right. spotting up um and all of a sudden you're not running sets per se he just finds a spot maybe it just helps that the flow of the game is the right time to bring him in well and not to get too granular or detailed here with the granular what what you're doing offensively but 
I think also, even if you're going to run set plays at the beginning of the game, they're not going to be for Kaiser, Kaiser Gates. Gates right, sure. They're going to get the ball inside like they usually do or get Trayvon Blewett a shot. So right. once you're four minutes in, that first media stoppage, now, okay, he checks in the game. Let's let's run something to get him a look. Yeah, right, exactly. That uh, Xavier defense. That was the other part, yeah. You go really far. I, I think so. I think the reaction to Xavier's defensive performance is a little overrated. Um, they were better. And the intensity and the toughness. I thought and all the that toughness stuff was, was better. Be- I the that's that's was better. the big thing. Like their competitiveness, their their desire to make things tough for Creighton was was better than it has been in other games. Now, when you get With- smashed against Villanova, you kind of get your you know manhood tested a little bit. You come out a little tougher. Yeah, my biggest thing with that is Xavier always defends better when they play offense better because. They're making shots. They're able to set their defense as a result. When they don't turn the ball over as much, they're not giving out giving up runouts. And I think that's where Xavier often gets in trouble defensively is when they get into that that sort of rut where they're just trading baskets with the other team. The game's flying up. They're making too many mistakes, and they're giving away easy possessions for the other team defensively. It just makes it tough to get locked in and feel like you're getting stops. Yesterday, when you're when your open threes are going in, you're able to go set your defense, and you've got some energy. It just changes everything. So is that a Chris Mack issue? Does he need to get more out of them when they're not making shots? Maybe. Is it a player issue not playing tougher when they're not making shots? Maybe. They're also so aggressive a lot of times going to the offensive glass that that sometimes leads to to bad odd number situations going back to when you're not making shots. Aggressive going to the offensive glass and just aggressive offensively. Like because they miss some shots or slow it down or or, uh, turn it over, they don't slow it down and say, okay, well, this is going to affect our defense. We can't afford to trade baskets. They keep playing their style, and sometimes that doesn't work to their benefit, and people get worked up about the defense not being good enough. But I think we've seen a pretty clear trend during Chris Mack's tenure that when his offense is good, his defense usually follows. Yeah, I just think if they compete on defense at that level, they're in much better shape. I did. Than I thought, what I thought their, their I did competitiveness too. and toughness was I did too. better. I thought no that question. was a lot better. And, no and, and I know, but that's, it's human nature too. I'm making shots. I'm gonna get a stop this time because we're making shots. We're, we're gonna we're gonna go on a 12-0 run because we're gonna get a couple stops. We're gonna make shots again. And a lot of times that also it comes back to who's your best players, who's your leaders, and how are they wired. Xavier's two best players are wired to be scorers, and they have always been at their best when they're shooting the ball well and and playing well offensively. And Kaiser Gates is that same way. So. It's a little bit of everything. I think I don't think it's just one thing. You guys are absolutely right. The energy, the toughness, much better yesterday than it was in previous games. But again, I think that has a lot to do with when they play offense well. It's a lot easier to be that team. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this because I'll ask it in the, in, in the frame of this. Do I make too much if I ask you that Quentin Gooden? Why why does he have a hard time finishing? I I would love to know the answer to that okay. because that is his strength. It was his strength in high school. It's what you brought him in to do is finish in the lane. From within six feet. But Manny has a hard time. And he just cannot find the range right now. I think it's a touch thing. I think it's clearly a confidence thing because we'd see him score 40-something points in high school games without ever taking yeah. a jump shot. So that's what he does. Lots of lean-ins, floaters, banks, getting and, all the and way for, to And the for rim. those that think that, oh, he's a Division One player, he's going to get 40. No, it's still hard even in high school when teams are stacked defensively against you to especially get to the rim. Yeah, especially a guy like He gets him. there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he gets there. That's the thing. He's still able to get. I mean, he got against Jalen Brunson. He got six di- different really good looks in the lane that he just couldn't put down. And that's why I say Xavier needs him to start putting those down. Yeah. He's he's past the point of okay, you just want him to handle the ball and be steady Set for you because he can clearly do that. He's doing it at a very high level. But he's got star potential. They now need him that, to start being a reliable offensive weapon. That that's the frustrating part. It's not like when you look at what his shooting numbers and go, man, dude's taking some really bad shots. 
No. It's, he rarely shoots. But finish the ones that you are taking, the right. ones that are right around the bucket, man. If he puts up another six to eight yes. points a game, they – that's a completely different team. Without question. It definitely helps I mean, right now, if I defended them, I'd say, you know what? Let him get as deep as he wants and throw something up, and he's not going to make it. And if he does, it's going to be two of seven, and we're fine. Well, and that's the thing. It puts so much more pressure on the opposing defense when they've said, well, we're not we're, – we're playing off of him. We're sagging off him. We're not really focused on him because they've got so many other weapons. If he's going to take advantage of that and then drive them to the rim, get to the free throw line, or score – it really makes it, it puts a whole lot more pressure when you say, we've got to figure out a way to stop that guy now because he's an athletic freak. Plus, he's shooting 143% from the free throw he's 80, line. He's 83, I believe. I think he's 83% still from the line after going, what, 59% last year. Um, so, yeah. The more that's gets, another thing. He doesn't get fouled when he goes in there much. And maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe he is so shied away from contact, not getting through people, so worried about maybe a shot getting blocked, whatever, that maybe there's a reason for that. I don't see that as much. I think the lack of free throw thing is more so the fact that he just doesn't he's not that aggressive offensively he doesn't drive in there a lot he, he doesn't take a lot of shots so and a lot of times when he is getting in there he finds a way to get a good look with I mean the guys aren't around you know he, he jumps up over him and has a lean in from four feet away and just can't put it in for whatever reason but you're right they need him to start doing that yeah it, it's just past that point like last year you didn't care at all early this year you were saying he he just needs to get the offense flowing he needs to get Trayvon and JP involved we're past all that. He's doing all that at a very high level. Now it's time for him to take another step and start rely. And we're not saying be a go-to player. Right. He doesn't need 16. It's what you're saying. Get that 8 to 10 a game where you're just finishing off three or four. Right. Drops. Of the ones you're already taking, right. <laughs> for goodness sakes. Um, a little less worried about the St. John's game now? Well, I think that's still a tough matchup for them, and I think it's going to give them problems. I mean, we just saw St. John's give Villanova problems. They're they're not the same without Marcus Levet, but Simons has He's still an athletic driver. Um, Shamori Pons is one of the most difficult players in the country to guard one-on-one. And they've got they've got a guy or two who can shoot it from three, too. So I think they can give Xavier trouble. But, yeah, it's it's not near the concern after you saw the way Xavier played. More of a concern at MSG than at Centos, I would think. Absolutely. I was talking about UC. Did not play great for a half at, at South Florida. 12 minutes. Um, but, yeah, okay. But, again, the halftime score was still very close. Yeah, because so. they had to yeah, come back. Come back. Uh, but second half dominated as, as a team should. It's funny. I think the line ended up being 22.5 points, which looked like a lot even before the game. And then when you're looking at a halftime score, you're like, oh, they ain't getting to cover that. what happened? Um, I did not. All I saw was the final score of it. Justin Jennifer layup with... Point. Ten seconds left. Okay, it was just seconds. well. It was if there was if it was point, they would have just run it out. So is Mick Cronin gambling on UC basketball? <laughs> to, the question and needs to be asked. The shot clock was running out, so you have to get a shot up. So Jennifer uh, went in and made a layup, enough. and they won. They yeah. they beat the spread by half a point. By half a point, indeed. Ooh. Wow. Woof. Um, was that to be expected though? A little bit of the first half. Yeah, as, as I said on Sports Authority, my, my guy Justin Berg, his his stat of the day for that game was 68 points is the highest UC has scored in Tampa in the McCronin era. So they struggle there. I mean, and a lot of that, like Stan Heath had a really good defense um, when he was there. They were putrid offensively, but had a really good defense. Um, Brian Gregory, their team is bad, but... Rat. Yeah, their team is bad, but he does have – I think Terrence Samuel played against UC in the Big East. I swear to God. If not, it was the first year in the AAC when he was at UConn. He's a fifth-year senior. They've played him every year of his career. I I want to say it was either Sean Kilpatrick's junior or senior year that he was at UConn as a freshman. It feels like he played against them in the Big East. So he's like Trayvon Blue. He's been there for 11 years. 11 years. Um, they had the, the guy that – 
that got hot, and I can't remember his name, Burtz or Bert or whatever, um, another fifth-year guy. So they had some experience, and they were making everything they threw at the rim in that first 10 minutes, and Cincinnati wasn't on, making hold on, anything. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The score was like 12 to 6 or something after no. those first 10 minutes. It's 21 to 11. It, okay, exactly. That doesn't qualify as them making – if UC is losing because they have 11 For points. South Florida? Uh, yes, but you guys keep saying this. That's an offensive issue, not a defensive issue. The other team is not making everything. Oh, no, Cincinnati's offense was putrid. Right. They were awful. Right. They turned it over, I think, eight times, and then only turned it over one more, one more time the rest of the game. They turned just, it over eight, time in the, in eight times in that first 12 minutes, only turned it over one or two more times the rest of the game. So they finally got – no, their offense was miserable in the first I just see this minutes. on Twitter every time UC starts slow. Well, don't take that out on me. Where, I, well, I mean, but you just said it. Like, you say it, too. You, everyone always says, the other team made everything they shot. When it's like, no, no that, UC scored 10 kid. points in 10 minutes. That was the issue. That's one the kid issue. made everything he threw at the rim, and UC scored 10 points in 12 minutes. Yeah. So, well, put them in a bad spot. But from I did, there... Right, here's the thing. Did, did it feel at that point like, here we go again offensively? Yes and no. Um I thought they were getting some decent looks when they weren't turning it over. That's the frustration. Like, when they've been bad, that has been the primary issue. It's just care- stupid carelessness with the ball. A lot of offensive fouls, a lot of traveling calls, just dumb crap that, that isn't necessary. And when they play without that, they're really, really good offensively in comparison to how they look when they do that. I mean, it was a 59-possession game, and they scored 78 points. Uh, aside from turning the ball over, what got them going? Because they did, like... Cumberland, off- Cumberland getting getting going from the perimeter, um, and they passed it really, really well for the final 28 I, minutes. I did hear Mick's, Mick's post game, and he, he mentioned the, the, the whole execution level and passing, and he, and he made a good point, and he's right. It's a simple thing to say, but it was still interesting to hear. He said, when you pass the ball well, you usually shoot the ball well. And yeah, because right, you're taking because, rhythm, open correct, shots. And you're leading yourself into good spots. Yeah. And, and that, that's why I asked, because when I was watching the second half, I was like, I was in and out of it because I was working, too. And I, I was like, man, this is as good as UC's offense has looked for, in a, long time. for a big I mean, stretch of that second half. Consider I mean, they, they scored 1.3 points per possession after scoring 11 points in the first 12 minutes. Yeah. Right. Like, that 28 minutes stretch... They were off the charts in terms of how efficient they were offensively. The assists were were way up. Um, They they had a couple really nice plays in transition, one where Kane Broom came down. He had Trey Scott streaking on the right and a defender in between them where he could have tried to throw a lob, but it probably would have been contested and wasn't a good look. And instead, he slows down, kicks it to Cumberland for a wide-open rhythm three. And he banged it in. And it just, their decision making was really, really good. And this team is starting to adjust to Jacob Evans playing point guard. And I, because they didn't prepare for that really, he was the third guy, but there was no preparation coming into the season that he was, even now when Justin Jennifer is in the game quite a bit, Jacob Evans is bringing the ball up the floor if the defense is set and they know they're going to be playing half court offense. Jacob Evans is playing. 35, 37 minutes, and I would say 28 to 30 of it, he's the point guard. And it's taken some adjustment, some time to get to get accustomed I, I to that. I think that's the best for them in the long I do, run. too. I do, too. I've been saying that since the pre... I yeah. mean, ever since the Bellarmine game, I said that has to be the move because Jennifer is not going to be an answer for them, and it's proven to be the case, and, and I think it really helps Jacob as an offensive player. I do, too. I Immensely. think it gets him going. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do, too. All right, next up, Central Florida. Um, and... and 
whether they have BJ Taylor or not at, at any point, they're still. You know he's going to play. Probably, I guess. But but the bottom line is he's been he's with, been with, day to day for a month and a half. With or without him, though, my point was going to be they are still a good defensive team. Very good defensive team, but boy, they are awful. They're bad offensively. offensively. Yes. Holy cow, are they bad? Just watching them is like wanting to poke your eyes out offensively without BJ. They, Taylor. they are number four in Ken Palm defensively. You want to stagger a guess as to what they are offensively? 130. 185th. 279. It is it is bad. I missed by 100 yes, spots? Yes, yes. It is bad. Like, what, you'll see Tuesday night. Watching them offensively is, is a train wreck. You it would is. think if you're number four defensively, you'd create a handful of live ball turnovers to make your but offensive see, that's not even what better. they do. They I know just, it's they not. They funnel you to like taco. Said, but you would still think that somewhere along the way, you would have some live ball turnovers if that would get you. If you're that good. Yes, yeah. correct. I mean, correct. because theoretically, to be that good, you have to. the other team is not taking enough shots. Yes, like you that's have right. They're not shooting turnovers. 28% every night. And they literally but don't they even are. do that. I know. No, no, I know. But they are shooting 28% every night. Man, oh, man. And you wow. see his number three in defense. So what are we looking at? 43-41? Thank if, God for the shot clock? Probably. If they can speed them up, I think they can win comfortably. But it hasn't ever really been easy to do, especially with Taco standing there in the middle. You know, we, we've talked about it. There aren't a lot of tough games in the league for UC. Let's face it. There just, just aren't. But this is one of those, kind of like the Marquette game. Get through this, no matter how it whether it's 43-41 or you have to throw one in yeah. from midcourt to win it, just however you win it, go... Who we dodged? We dodged one of the teams that can give us a scare and just did put a scare in. You get an alley oop for a dunk with one second left to yeah. send it to overtime, and then you miss like last year. Yeah, yeah, not good, Ugh. not good. Um, yeah, you just got to go down there, get the win. And the one thing I know, I, I've talked to Mick about this a lot. Um, he all the reason he doesn't do the road trips is because he always worries about that second game that you've been on the road for four or five days. You're in Florida. Your brain kind of drifts. Like Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday night. Tuesday. So you can you you can use today as a travel. It's only an hour, yeah. ten minute drive. Go straight Tampa, across on a bus. Yeah, Tampa to Orlando. So that part's not hard. Um, practice tomorrow. Practice tomorrow. Probably practice today. today practice practice tomorrow. Again tomorrow. Have a little shoot around on Tuesday. I, I don't think that's a bad schedule. No, but he just he's he's had really bad luck with it in his career on the times that they've done it. Um, I know he's not a fan of it because he's every time he's. Told me that every time he's done it, his team has really struggled that second game, and and rarely do college. It used to be college basketball set up for, for road trips for Thursday, Saturday, sometimes yeah. Friday, Sunday. Where if you were if you were in the in the old Pac eight, you UCLA would go to Washington and Washington State on a Friday, Sunday, right. go and to Arizona, Cal, Arizona Stanford, State. Arizona, Arizona State, and yeah, you'd have a day in between for, for all that. They just don't teams just don't do that anymore. Now, now all you see is the the buy teams in the non conference schedule. They'll schedule a buy game with a big opponent, go get paid, and then they'll schedule a, yes. a home and home yes. with a team around that yeah. area. Yeah, so they get their money's worth out of the trip. Yes. they also get a chance for a win and they get a paycheck, yeah, which is that but, that's smart. But that's that, really the only time you see it often. Yeah, you don't. I mean, in fact, when you told me that last. Last week, when you said they're making a road trip, I in my mind I thought they're not really making a road trip. No, they actually are no, they making are. a road well, trip. Well, I mean, it just didn't make any sense because you would get back, it, like if it was a Saturday and they're off day Monday, game. They off, they off for the for Martin Luther King Day. I'm assuming I'm, I, I, a lot of colleges are. Yeah, they are. They and are. That's what I was assuming. But you know, if it's a Saturday day game, maybe you get out of Orlando at, or you get out of Tampa at five. Yeah, and you're back home. You're by back seven, home by seven, seven yeah. and it doesn't matter if you leave Correct. Monday. Correct. But a seven o'clock game on a Saturday night, you're not getting home until three o'clock in the morning. You're not missing class on Monday. You don't, you're not, Sunday's Sunday. You're not missing class on Monday. The game is on Tuesday. It's easier just to go ahead and do it this way. Um, plus, with the snow and as cold as, cold yeah. as it's been, 
I'm sure the players are very uh, grateful Absolutely. That, that they got that. And they all remember last year. Like, that was a, a crushing loss for UC last year to lose that game at Central Florida. Cost them a seed line probably, at right? At least probably a seed line. Because yeah. Central Florida didn't hold up their end of the bargain. That was their one big chip. They didn't have anything else on the table. So, um, if it didn't cost them a seed line, it definitely cost them a couple spots on the S-curve. So, and the way it happened. To be down like they were the whole game, to storm back in the final minute, you get the steal, throw an alley-oop to Trey Scott, he misses the dunk as time expires to lose. They're going to go down there and be... The, the interesting thing for me is, can Kyle Washington bang some threes and stretch them out and get Taco to at least away, away from, from the, the rim? Yeah. yeah. I think that's big. And, you know, Gary can do it too, but I think you're, I don't think you're going to see... You'll, I don't think you'll see much of Taco on Gary. I think you'll see him on Kyle. And if Kyle can bang a couple perimeter shots and and pull him out, then maybe you're in a better position to get some stuff going to the rim. Um, move the ball like they've been moving the ball. Get open shots. Get rhythm shots. Make I think Taco, you're in good shape. I, yes, make Taco run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that they that's what they want to do. That's why they were so effective against South Florida the final 28 minutes. All right, uh, let's touch on NKU, Rick. Uh, you went Thursday night against Wright State. How much of what, that? What, what's your beef with Dayton, bro? What do you do it's now? It's just a trash city. Oh, here tell, we go. Me, tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> the city of Dayton sucks. It's, there's nothing. UD Arena well, is I, so I, crowded I, when, can, when Dayton plays because the rest of the city is so bad. Can I, can I tell you that really, really Wright State isn't in Dayton itself? It's in a suburb of Dayton. Correct. But those people are from Dayton. No, they're from Fairborn. It's the same thing, Skinny. Wait, I'm from Erlanger. Where am I from? You're from Cincinnati. You're from Erlanger. Okay. <laughs> it's nothing wrong with that. You're from Erlanger, right? Yeah, I have no issue with that, but where is someone going to say you're geographically located? Northern Kentucky. In the greater Cincinnati area. In northern Kentucky. Fairborn is in the greater Dayton Those area. Those people are proud of Fairborn, right, Pat? No, they're I'm, not. That's the thing, because proud, it sucks. I'm proud of northern Kentucky. I say I'm from, I don't say I'm from Cincinnati. I do. Do you? Yeah. I say I'm from northern Kentucky. You All know right. what you what actually you, tell people? What's you that? go Northern Kentucky, and they're like, "What?" And you're like, well, "It's like five minutes south of Cincinnati." That's well, yeah. what everyone from okay. Northern Kentucky does. But I'm not from Cincinnati, though, technically, right? Who cares? Yes, you're from South Cincinnati. Okay, so okay, so, let me so let me trash, this let's, way. Let's, let's go back to you trash. If, if someone thinks Cincinnati sucks, I would still think that's where I live. Like, I would still think they're talking about where I live when they say Cincinnati sucks. Because that's where I spend most of my time is in the Greater Cincinnati area, just like they're in the Greater Dayton area. Where do you work? I do work in Cincinnati. There that, we go. That is a fact. I do work Where do in you Cincinnati. think people in Fairborn work? In Dayton. No. Hey! Dayton no. sucks. They work they work at Wright Pat. This is a this is a, a fast budding rivalry for you and what, what, your what North. Is, what, I just gotta know what, what led to this. I mean, did well, you just first, go there? Did you get rolled? Was it this lady? Did you get rolled? Was it this lady at you? the game? No. First of all, I think the biggest issue with I have with Wright State is one, I just hate their style of play. But two, they're very easy for me to hate. I'm sure you can figure out why. Two, I can't, I can't. their best player I can't. is a GCL player. Come on, Skinny. He's banging threes like a madman. That didn't make me happy. Second of all, because they're so close, they're one of the only teams that actually has like fans at the game. Plus, they've had local kids on their team. So yes. they have a decent amount of fans that come to the NKU games. So it's like one of the only times UK or NKU play someone and you notice other fans in but the arena. But that's good. That feels like a rivalry then. But Okay, so why am I not allowed to hate that? 
Okay. That's what a he rivalry is. A diehard is. NKU fan. That's fine. I just you're acting you like to, I'm not into it, the rivalry. I'm into the rivalry. It it's a good thing. It didn't mean you have to hate the city of Dayton. How often do you Dayton's trash. I hate the city of Dayton. I love it's you. the gem city. I love well, you, the arena. Love it. Yes, it's the greatest part of the city. It's the only nice thing they have. The rest of the city, a total dump. Dragons play play trash. the nice field. Dayton's don't they? nice field. Fifth third fifth third field. Garbage. Garbage. Trash. All right, let, let's touch on NKU, though. How much of that was Wright State and Grant Benzinger making shots, and how much of it was NKU not defending? I mean, Grant Benzinger made shots. Wright State's good. I don't think they're as talented as NKU. NKU could have played better. I don't I don't know that there's a lot to dissect there other than the fact that— it's. I, I only listen on radio down the stretch. The execution level down the stretch did not sound very good offensively. Yeah, it wasn't great, and I don't know if— NKU just felt good about themselves because they've been playing well and they had a huge crowd there and they just got a little too carried away with it or what. But, I mean, they they had a chance at coming back and could have won that game. And credit to Wright State, they made the necessary plays down the stretch to win it. And Grant Benzinger had 31 points. They're, like, hats off to him. He he made shots. He, he made, made a bunch shots. of free throws, made a bunch of free throws on top of it. So He was really I, good. So, you slandered his name on this podcast last week, didn't you? No. <laughs> No, just <laughs> all he's done now is just he's, he's slandered an entire city. Um, is NKU still the team to beat in the league? Yes, one hundred percent. They're See, a game and a half back right he, now. Here's what Wright State though feel. Wright State does feel like, and you mentioned they're like that. They're like Butler of last year. Where you just and look where, and you go, wh- where'd Butler end up last I, year? I I, I'm, I understand that, but there's also not as many good teams in this league that are going to beat. The, the upper echelon teams are just aren't. So there, there's less chances to go somewhere and my, lose. My point. My point is more. When Wright State comes to town versus NKU for these other Horizon League teams, NKU's the team that made the tournament last no year. Doubt. NKU's the team that's top no 70 doubt. in Ken right. And they're going to take They're a the team punch. to beat in this that, conference. That. They're the team with the X on their back. That's yeah. what I'm saying. They're going to get everybody's best punch. Wright State isn't. Exactly. So Wright State has a legit chance to win this league. Regular and, well, season. And a game in hand with NKU coming back to their joint. Yeah. Wright State 100% has a legit chance. He asked me who's the team to beat yeah, in this conference. Yeah, still think it's NKU's the team. Uh, t- NKU's the team everyone circles and says, we got to beat them to beat the best. Now, Wright State's in the first. thing is, I'm not sure who's the third best team in the league. Oakland. Without question, okay. Oakland. Okay. Oakland's still really talented and can still easily win the Horizon League tournament. Yeah, uh, that's fair. They could also lose on the first ground to University to Cle- of Illinois, Chicago. To Cleveland State. <laughs> that's become overwhelmingly apparent because they did it last year. We mentioned that could be an issue this year, and they've already completely fallen apart within Horizon League play. So I don't know exactly what their issue is other than uh, maybe they have – a lot of talent and not enough cohesiveness, but I, right. I, so if the, in watching the game the other night, was there something though about NKU where you went, boy, they better fix that? I think the one thing about this NKU team always is that your best player is Drew McDonald, not a long athletic. It, guy I, I will tell you, and rim. again, I listened on radio because I had I had my own basketball practice. I listened a little bit gumming and 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 a lot of it going. It didn't seem like there was much being run through him. No, uh, there wasn't. They could have played through him more, but also I think. NKU, they're not like the most overwhelmingly talented team and overwhelmingly athletic and long. They're getting there. They're getting closer to that as John continues to recruit these guys. And and Jalen Tate is really giving them a ton in in terms of his length and athleticism and and defensive ability. But they're, they're not dominant. They have to play well every single game for them to beat these teams. And that goes from UIC all the way to Wright State and Oakland. Like it, it's every team in the conference. They have to play well to beat. And if they don't play their best and another team does, like Wright State, Wright State's good. They're just, I don't think they're as talented as NKU if both teams play their best. 
All right, Kentucky goes to Vandy and wins seventy four sixty seven. He gets very serious about NK. I know he does. I like it. That's why I like to bring it up. Like it's it's he's more passionate about that than about anything else. I think, which is anything good. Anything else in his entire life? In his entire life, absolutely. And now he hates Dayton on top of it. You hate Dayton. You is hate this new Wichita? Like, no, I've hold hated on. Dayton for years. Look, you, wait, I used to, well, I got the thing now. No, 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 you no. hate Dayton, Wichita. You hate the Midwest. So what you, you hate the heart of the Midwest. All right, that's actually that's fairly accurate. That's one of the best uh, psychoanalysis anyone has ever done. There on we go. Right there, just, that's just, very true. Um, no, I, I. What you guys forget is I covered the A10 for the first however many years of my career as and he's jaded because of it oh it's the xavier dayton thing no i've had to travel to dayton so i've hated dayton forever the place is trash it's an easy trip i would say it's, it's an easy trip you know why because you go exactly to the exit where they put the arena on and get right back on the exit and head back home because there's nothing else you know, in the you know city. what he's going to be sad about one day very soon when it is the greater cincinnati dayton metroplex you, you, ever, you ever been to diamonds cheeks not cheeks, cheeks. I'm not a strip club guy. We've been said that those were those. I I just thought they were bars. There there is alcohol. There is alcohol. There's no question. All right, Kentucky goes to Vanderbilt, (laughs) wins 74-67. John Calipari basically plays just seven guys. He's talking about shortening the bench up big time. Now, he had to do that. He's got some injury issues he's dealing with. But I think they had had three guys play, what, 38, 38, 39 minutes. You're you're the UK guy, right? Uh, Not really, but I'm, I'm a grad. What's going on with Jared Vanderbilt? I don't know. That was very odd. He some made of, some, some of the comments, comments that were that, that were strange. John Calipari did. He made some weird comments. Like he said that he's not. Was it not mentally ready? Not mentally ready. One. I don't know if you saw this one or not, but somebody asked him like, "Why didn't Jared play today?" And he said, "If Jared wants to play, he's got to come talk to me." And he did not come talk to me at all today. He never sought me out. I did not speak to him today one time. Is this and questioning if, toughness? You think? Is this questioning? Want to get back? The rumor is there's some people in his ear telling him not Don't. to get hurt again. Right? Don't go out there and get hurt again. Um, Mike, my, my thought, and I've had this thought for a long time. I don't think he's all that good. Like he's good. I'm not saying he's that, bad. That, that his fear is I'm going to show yeah. that I'm not good enough. If you come out and especially not being there for the entire year, like we saw PJ Washington start slow. Right now he's coming on. He's, he's playing very he's, well. Yeah, he's playing very well. He's restoring people's opinion of him but if jared vanderbilt comes out in january and can't get it going by the end of february he'll drop like a rock yes and they don't want that to happen so and, it's and that, better and that, to and, leave and that could happen whether he's a good player or not just because right. you're getting into a flow you're coming back to he, a team he's getting his, his, his i mean if quad a green plays quad a green takes up another chunk of minutes he becomes the eighth guy right the problem with being injured when you're on my teams, I really spend no time with you, Cal Perry said. Sometimes I forget names. Like, I forget who blank is because I've got to focus on the guys I'm coaching right now. They've got to get healthy and be ready to come back and be ready to go. Jared's the same. How, how coach-like is that, though? That's very coach-like, but it's also something oh, you say to send a message. No question. No, no doubt about that. There were that. lots of messages No, I, I thought so, comments. too. Yeah, I thought so, too. Because, well, the kid's been practicing for like three, four weeks, right? I don't. I don't. Think he's been practicing full time. I know he's been doing some shoot around. No, stuff. I think he's been. Okay. I've heard he's been practicing at least okay. like the last week or two. He's been full go in practice, and they've, they've and Calla every week during the drills. Like, hey, what's your name? Um, someone Auburn. Get, your name's yeah, Auburn. Hey. Auburn, right? George is a college. I know it's a college. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Tennessee That's Valparaiso. Valparaiso. That's it. Got hey, him. Nashville. Nashville. Um, I think he's frustrated. Clearly, I, I think his comments show. Clearly that he's frustrated, and that's an interesting deal because you're looking at a team that's not deep. That even he if basically I don't bench Nick Richards for goodness sakes, 
which you should have because yeah. I think you're better off. And I was a big Nick Richards guy. I no, we Nick talked about Richards that I think on the lot. last podcast yeah. about doing that. But you're getting more, and I never thought I'd. And I, I have a, a an uncontrollable bias on Sasha Kalea Jones. I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast before, but his um his year at NBA Players Camp, he got dunked on the first night really hard, and it became like the thing to do at NBA players camp go at him and everybody was dunking on him for like a day and a half until finally he just started like did he cry or did he fight back no he fought back a little bit towards the end but he must have got dunked on like five times before he like stopped letting him do it do it so I've always had a uh an unreasonable bias because I saw him just get punked uh in a in a setting with a bunch of elite guys but he has played really well and then Gabriel has given them yeah. a ton. I mean, and especially like him at the five with the way he can shoot and his length and the, the way you he know, might he be can, their best pure shooter, for goodness he sake. He might be, and he runs the floor really well. He can protect the rim a little bit. Um, he was a guy. He was a, in one of those guys that nobody knew until the summer of his going into his senior year. And that July, he was like a breakout star that July. Shot all the way up into the top ten in the rankings. But those guys usually take a year because it, it's not like he had been really good for a long time. He needed a year of development. But I'm playing him over Nick Richards a thousand times out of a thousand. And, and Sasha Kalea Jones right now is playing better than I, Nick, I Richards Nick Richards as well. I think Nick Richards becomes a guy you're you're protecting a lead late and you've gone to a defensive lineup. You, you put him in to protect the rim. Protect the rim. Yeah. That's, what he, that, that's what he becomes. Or if the other team has like a, a bully, a big yeah. okay, physical low post guy. Because you you don't want Kalea Jones and and Gabriel defending well, a guy not, that's they're not going to be able to defend six ten two hundred and sixty yeah. pounds. But I mean I, I like what Cal's done with what he's had, but it, they still just don't feel whole elite. They don't feel right. great. They don't. They're they're what fourteen and two or fourteen and three. Fourteen and three. Four and one in the league. They look. With a only loss at Tennessee, and they led yeah. that game for portions of the second half. Like they don't look bad; they just don't. They don't look like they're a team that I feel comfortable saying that team's going to make a run to a Final Four. But of all the years that maybe you do that, this is one of those years, right? I'm going to get to that later, I, but who knows? This is like the Butler version of UK. Kind of, yeah. Like, they don't look elite and talented, but they're getting the job done. Yeah. So. I mean, in a year, I think Cal's doing a great coaching job. Yeah, I, I do too. And in a year where the entire country, but specifically the SEC, it keeps seeing teams at the top just kind of fold and crumble, they're not. I mean, they're we, finding ways to win games. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that's what I was going to go next with it anyway. I, uh, Kentucky, by the way, real quickly, they do play their next game at South Carolina on Tuesday night. It's going to so be a tough one. Will be. Yes. Frank's teams are going to get after you. They're going to make it. But physical. they're not. They're, they're not even what they're. They're not they're good. Shell. But Kentucky almost has lost to and, a, a and couple. Let me say, and Vanderbilt's not very good either. No, so. Vanderbilt's the worst team in the SEC, and and Kentucky almost lost there. So Frank's team is going to make them uncomfortable. Will, will they probably win by eight to ten? Yeah, but that's not going to be a walk in the park. No. Can we talk about Frank taking Brian Bowen on his team? <laughs> Well, he's, 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 he's taking him. It's a matter of will he ever be eligible to play. They said they've they're they're confident he'll be cleared. Yeah. They put it through their compliance people. How did the check get that, through? Is what I want to know. I where, mean, where did the check the, get the through? The balls on doing that is is impressive. That is legitimately just telling everyone I really don't care what you think. Yeah, but that's Frank. I'm, I'm here to win. The, I mean, that's that's he's Frank a big Martin. second chance guy. Big second chance guy. Big second Father, chance guy. Father Flanagan, him and Jerry Tarkanian, baby. Yep. And Bob Huggins. And Bob Huggins, yep. That's that's, that's his mentor. They've, they've, made, they've made a career out of it. So there you go. 
Um, but yeah, I think you were going to touch on, Miss, on on the national or, uh, landscape or, or, or Texas A and M, zero five in the league. Yeah, Florida lost at Ole Miss. Good, but not great. Very inconsistent. No, that game disappointed me. I thought that was kind of okay. Here, here's your here's your chance to show me that you've kind of turned the corner a little bit, and they just haven't. Randy Kennedy knocks him knocks him off. Good old Randy. Um, this team is. It, it, I think the thing that we heard all of this hype about how great the SEC was going to be. I don't think we heard the great. I no, we heard there was a lot the of better. The, no, there was much Texas improved. A&M is elite. Florida is elite. Kentucky's elite. Da, 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 da. There was a lot of that coming into this season. And I think more so it was after the season started. Yes. And those, th- those yeah. three teams were all up there and playing and, well. And then, and then, it, and then suddenly. really. The, the fever pitch really well, and then suddenly Tennessee had a real good run in in one of the one of the November, yeah, yeah. And then one of the tournaments, and all of a sudden you look up and you go, well, boy, there's another team to add to the mix, and it just hasn't worked out that way. I think what you see is, and it's not the league has improved leaps and bounds, yes, but it is just a very middle heavy league right now. the The bottom has gotten better. Or there's not like okay. LSU. Everybody thought LSU was terrible. LSU is pretty decent. Tremont Waters is a dude that can go. He's a like, good player. They're they're not as bad as ever. Vanderbilt is bad, and South Carolina's not, having a down year good. because they lost so much talent from a Final Four. Georgia's team. not good. Mississippi State's not good. Mississippi State's okay. Georgia's oh, Georgia's kind okay. of Georgia's fading. I text saying it was far better than zero and five. Though I will say that they are far. But better. they're zero and five. But they're zero and five. No I doubt. mean. You are what your record says you are in a lot of ways. Like Thanks, Texas, Texas A&M is getting to the point where they need to wor- be worried about making the NCAA tournament. No question. Just, I'm, not, I'm not telling you they're not. I just I still think they're a pretty good team. I just don't – the SEC doesn't have that team that jumps out at you or that no, race if, at the top if, that you say – If push came to shove right now, I would tell you I think Kentucky's probably the best team in the league, and yeah. they're a top 15 yeah. at best. So the league is better, but it is not – the ACC. It is not the Big East. It is not right. no, the agreed. Big Twelve. Agreed. And and that's where people were selling them that they had jumped up into that conversation for one of the top three leagues. I I don't see it with where we're at right now. Yeah. In reality, I mean, I know the Big Ten is is down, down a little bit this year, but it's still like solid. But that's sort of what the SEC is reminding me. They're closer to that this year. Yes. They don't have Michigan State at the top, but in terms of all those teams that we sure thought Michigan, were going to be at the top, I think you anymore. said Purdue wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think you did too. I was about to say that. <laughs> I'll take my chances on that one. Right. I, I'm not big on this Purdue team. But in the SEC, it's regardless, you don't have those teams at the top, but all those teams we thought were going to be really good, turns out they're kind of yeah. good mid-level yeah. teams. Yeah. You know, they're tough to beat, but... It, it, it's interesting, though, because this could be, like, Auburn has played really well. Um, this could be one of those years where the SEC litters, like, four through ten... Yes, in the with seed six line, or seven guys and does a bunch of damage, <laughs> or or all or goes one or. and eight. Yeah, last year it's kind of what they did when you th- in terms of doing the damage when you think about South Carolina. Yeah, and- I mean, it, but but like you're not expecting any of them, but they've all beat each other up. They've all played a lot of competitive games. If you get a good pod, you get a good draw, and all of a sudden we look and we're saying now it's not a great league, and then SEC SEC guy comes back in and goes, "We got four teams in the Sweet 16. I thought we sucked." How how much do you think that matters, playing in a conference that's competitive throughout, where you're playing a lot of competitive games as opposed to being the best team in just a I decent think, conference? I think it depends on how healthy you come out of it Yeah, more than anything. like how, and, and that's part of the problem is when every night is a war, you might be quote-unquote healthy, 
but, but you're, you're beat up you're beat really up, bad. I mean, trying I, to blow up screens and you're getting blown up on screens and you're taking charges and you're you're taking charges. That's what good teams but, do. I mean, you, you, you saw no, it seriously, but you are you are getting beat up physically. Yeah, it, it's I you belong in Dayton. I, thank you. They take charges up there. It, it's I think there's a, a fine line to walk there. Like I think UC needs more challenges. I think Xavier could probably live with one or two less. Where you well, know you, you have got a really a, good feeling for this because I mean you watched UC grow up with them in CUSA. Oh. You saw them dominate a conference year after year. You saw them in the Big East where you're never going to win that conference for the most part. But even when you do well, you're hoping to be in the middle of the pack and just it's a like war. Five. It's a war all the way through. <laughs> yeah. And then now you've seen them kind of in something that they can be the best team or one of the best teams in the conference, but there's a little more competition maybe than Conference USA days. I mean, what, what do you get to the sense? Was UC better prepared in, after the Big East play for the tournament, or are they better prepared now? Or I mean, is it just something say. that's year-to-year teams I are all it's different? Year, it's a, it's a, it's a team-to-team thing. I, I think, think you're probably right about that. I, I think if you know if you, if you had your, your druthers, the Big East, when they were there, still had a couple – well, there are so many teams in it. You had a couple to beat up on. Yeah, and yeah. Or, there, or you had a team where your style matched up really well with theirs. The problem with UC at that point in time was they didn't have really enough offense right. to really have easy games. But you know, when you when you had DePaul at home, or when Seton Hall was really struggling at that point in time, or um, Lavin, they always had tough games with Lavin, even though his teams were were really weird, but those games were always, you know, 53 to 52. But, I mean, you got to the tournament, and if you got there healthy, like, you know, in 2012 when they got there healthy, there's something to be said for that season, though. You had quite a few guys that missed an extended stretch, a couple weeks off. What happened? There's just some stuff that, that went down. They were curing Benadryl. They were curing things yeah, with Benadryl. They were, they were finding they, cures with Benadryl. Working on a cure for cancer. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff goes. Two Holloway would never play for Mick Cronin. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Except they recruited Two Holloway very heavily. Oh, okay. In- interesting. <laughs> Just in case. Works. All right. A- after the weekend, Mark nationally, Lyons would never play for Mick Cronin. <laughs> that may be true. <laughs> uh, after the weekend, it feels like every Saturday now. You, if if you are watching games from the start it's of the day to the end wreck. of the day, it is littered with just weirdness. It's awesome. It's like March. It, it is, <laughs> and, and I'm 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 going to do this off bracket matrix only just to put some things in perspective of of how things have shaken out. Right now, the the one seeds would be Nova, Virginia, Duke, West Virginia. The twos are Purdue, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Kansas. The threes are Xavier, Texas Tech, Wichita, North Carolina. And the fours are Arizona State, Seton Hall, Clemson, Kentucky. I, I think I can trust one team. They got Cincinnati as a five? They have Cincinnati as a five. Yeah, um, sorry, and I, mean, I should have gone down to that point. Uh, read those four number one seeds again. Yeah, Nova, legit, right? We're not going to argue we that. We trust Nova, yeah. right? We've for, established that. We trust Nova. I, I can't trust Virginia. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Virginia, and he does a great job with what he's got, and every year they do this thing, and then every year we think they're going to – no, I can't. Kyle Guy seems like a Richard Skinner type of player. He is. Ty Jerome, Richard Skinner type of player. I like those guys. I like, I like the way and he coaches. And you know what those players do? Fizzle out early in the postseason. Every every, every time. Um, Duke is a is a mess defensively, right? As big a mess as you can get. Eighty six defensively. Eighty six defensively. Wow. 
two. What I say, two offensively or yeah. one something like for the Buckeyes. Top two, whatever. And West Virginia. West Virginia is a goofy matchup for anybody, but they could also be. But a, they're, they're, they could be a second. Take care of the ball. Yes. You can beat them. Second round out, right? Yeah, I guess that Duke actually. I, I kind of forgot they were in there. I probably would if you asked me to pick my four one seeds right now. I would have Villanova and Duke both in those well, one. Yeah, seeds, you have I to think. pick them, but do you trust them? No, you trust but, Nova though. But, but you trust I, Nova. We trust. Yeah, Nova. we've agreed. We, yeah. That. We, yeah, we're gonna throw them we're, aside. That. Yeah, that. We don't have to talk about Nova on this podcast because we trust them. Yes. For now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my, my bigger point there was when you read those four number one seeds off, I don't feel confident that it, two of those four, I would almost guarantee you, aren't going to be there. Who are the twos? Twos again. I'll do this slower. I just read them real quickly. Purdue, which has earned it. Whether you like them or not, as we sit yeah. here today, they will have earned that, right? Michigan State, which is a mess. Oklahoma, which I'm starting to love more and more, and Kansas, which I don't, I don't I, like I, at I all. Don't, I don't like it all. It, there's going to be such a good battle for the top three seeds. I mean, all all of the top one, twos, and three seeds. There will be great battles for that because if you're a three or four seed right now, you have you to be feeling great. You have to look like legit, legitimately, we can easily be a two seed. If you're a five or six seed right now, you're not hating life. No. Well, I mean, and more no, so you're I mean, just I looking just at all the upside because but, everyone's going to have more losses along the way. Right, but what I'm saying, like, if you're a, a six and you're looking at a three, you're going, we can well, get that. Yeah, and yeah. here we go. Unless Trey Young is opposite you, yeah, and then you're probably not feeling great. Um, I, I, something tells me Oklahoma is going to find a way to a one seed for us all. I don't know why I think that. You think they win the Big Twelve? I they do. end Kansas's reign. I, I do. Dude, he's unstoppable. He beat. They lost to West Virginia at West Virginia. They did, and then they came back and had to had to go to overtime to win over uh, over TCU on Saturday. He's amazing. Their team's not that great, and they're really young. I know that. I just it, a lot of young pieces. It's just around every him. time you watch him, he is he's Russell Westbrook on college steroids, man. They he will really is. they will get the benefit of the doubt be, because of him. Yes, uh, yes. People love watching. Them. I don't think they're they losing. Love watching I don't think they're losing at home. I just don't. That's they fair. might. I just don't think they're losing at home. Yeah, because he's going to score 40 or more every Correct. home game, it seems Correct. like. Like The crazy thing is, every game, it's like he's done something that hasn't been done in 60 yeah. years. Every game. How real? Just real quick, I don't want to get into a long thing about this. How good of a pro is he going to be? I mean, I, I, I ceiling, he, what, ceiling is staff. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's the comparison that's been made. Where would you feel comfortable drafting him? Is he a lottery pick? No doubt. You, I think back no into doubt. the lottery. Do you, uh, would you take him if you had a top five or ten pick? Well, here's the I, thing. I say yes knowing how Steph turned out because Steph wasn't really that guy coming out of college. You thought he was going to be good. He, not he's, this. He's much closer to Steph right now than yes. Steph was at this point. Yes, absolutely yeah. correct. I can't take him over Bagley. I can't take yeah, him over fair, Aiton. Fair. I can't take him over what? what's the, the foreign dude's name? Yeah. Yes. The, the foreign dude. Um... I can make I can make a case at four. I mean, I just those three. They're so physically different. Yeah. I can't I can't take him over those three. Man, he's it, I if I'm the, if I'm picking fourth and and that falls to me, I'm looking at my coach and going, "Let's go." And I guess you credit what Steph has done for that, right? That you look you're looking for the next Steph Curry. Well, and I also just think the NBA at this point is so much about skill. Being able to score, playing fast. The game isn't as big as it used to be. Right. It's not as tough as it used to be. It's not as physical as it used to be. I think if you've got a guy, and, and people talk about how small he is, but he's six three, yeah, and athletic. Like he's, he's, he's like Steph, and he's skinny. But yeah, Steph is not short. Like but, he's not five ten. But Steph also grew late too. Yeah, Trey's already six three. Yeah, you know, like I mean, Steph's maybe six two, six three right. now. 
but he's, he's more not like, like he's about six foot playing six it, yeah. foot in college. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's not a Trey Young's not a tiny, tiny dude. He's skinny. No, but, I think his 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 size is being made up to be bigger a bigger deal than it's really I going agree. to be for him. His skill set is so good, and he's so quick with the ball. You think anybody you'd take over him at four? I don't know. I think I think I'm willing to take him if if my front office and my team think he fits with what we want to do and our vision going forward. I think I'm willing to take him in the top five. I really do. I, just, I, think, I, just, I, think, I think he can be special like Steph. I think he can be that type of guy, and I think so much of that is mental. He's clearly got what it takes mentally. You and have, he, he feels like he almost had that from day one. At, it's almost like he had it at AAU. And to Lon Kruger's credit, he just said, here, here's the keys, go. He I'm, played with I'm, Michael I'm, Porter and was the yeah, MVP yeah, of the Peach yeah, Jam. Yeah, and, and took 25 shots a game. Like, he never deferred to anyone in AAU, and he played on the best AAU team in the country. You, you have to take him over Porter now, right? Oh, I don't. Back I surgery. don't even question that. Yeah, Porter's got back surgery. You have to take yeah. him over, Michael Porter. Yeah. 100%. Um, real quick, I want to touch again. So we'll go to the threes: Xavier, Texas Tech, Wichita, North Carolina. North Carolina is is on Struggle Street, even though they did win at Notre Dame by a point. Um, and this is not the Notre same Dame without Bonzi Colson. Right. This is not the same Notre Dame team. For goodness' sake, did Farrell play? Um, I, I didn't see. I didn't either. Um, and then the fours: Arizona State, Seton Hall, Clemson, Kentucky. So we're in that back to the Kentucky being. Top fifteen ish team, and so here we are talking about them. There, it's just there's just nobody that you go other than know you. Wow, right? I agree. And I think it's going to be that's going to make it fun as we move well, forward. I think for sure. this sets up for one of those tournaments where what happens is the first day or day and a half is wild, and then the teams that survive that are it all chalks. the top seeds. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, great, I, great insight. Thanks. Yeah, but I mean, don't <laughs> no, I, I, I. I I could see, I mean, somebody at the eight seed line, seven seed line continuing on for a while again. Just because they're, 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 there's no elite, there just aren't elite teams out there. And, and those who, are the, we who are the eights and nines? Um, Ohio State, Nevada, Butler, Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, you got to take it with a grain of salt, obviously. Um, and the nines are Rhode Island, which might run the table in the Atlantic 10. Might. Very good. Uh, Michigan, Texas, and Missouri. Which, which of those teams none, you got in the final zero, four? Zero. None. Right. You're right. No. Then shut up. All right, the, se- the sevens, though, you got. <laughs> He got Florida, A&M, Arkansas, Florida State. And here's the thing. It's almost totally pointless to even talk about six through ten seeds Correct, right now. Because, gonna... yeah, it's going to be a zoo. Yeah, it's, it is going to be a zoo the rest of the way. And that's the best part. Because of the last, like, three weekends the last where three things Saturdays have just have been, been crazy, They've just it's, been it's going to make the rest of the way pretty crazy, yeah. I think, because there's so much to play for for almost every team. Which a lot of times you've heard the, the thing in college basketball, well, the regular season doesn't mean anything. There's not much to play. There really is. Right now year. it does. There really is. And right now it does, for sure. All right, you got a final take, Chad Brandon, or was that it? No, I got, I got, I'm, I'm loaded this week. Wow. All right. So, um, court storming. There's a court it. storming. I hate it. As Texas Tech takes out West Virginia, West Virginia player clocks a fan. Good. Are you, that's, that's Good. your stance. Well, that's here's my, my stance. Th- here's my thing. It's not your court. Let the players get off it. Here's the thing. I don't mind a peaceful, and we've seen some very. I'd have a two by four ready on my bench. We've seen some very non. Lead pipe. Threatening. Like student section in the end zone, get off my onto lawn. The floor. I don't mind that. If you're going to be a punk and you're going to run your mouth to a dude yes. that's six foot eight, two hundred and forty yes. pounds, you might get punched in the face. I got no problem with it. Like if you're if you're just celebrating with your your buddies that you came to the game, yeah, you had a couple drinks with. You, he comes and charges you. But no, I'm saying like if like if you're just you know you, you got the students come down onto the floor and they're jumping around with the team yes. and everybody's happy. I don't mind that. 
But if you're going to be an idiot and run right by a guy or up into his grill yeah, and say you, something smart. And you get clocked and you look like Kenny Freeze when it's over. Lead pipe. That's all I can tell you. Have you ever been part of a court or a field storming? Yes. Where? When? Um, you see the Orange Bowl year and I think again the Sugar Bowl year there was one where Nippert emptied behind me coming right out. Oh, no. Have you ever participated in No, I've one? never participated. You've never ran onto a field or a court? No. Have you? <laughs> Not a chance. You? <laughs> you you have, haven't no. you? No. Good uh, guy. No, I was, I was on the field for the LSU um, Kentucky game the year LSU won on the Hail Mary pass because you had to go down to the field five minutes before yeah. to go, go do interviews. And I do remember a fan running by me going, woohoo! I go, you just lost, you blanking idiot. He goes, hey, shut. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was right, buddy. Well done. Have you? Um, no, I, when I was in high school, I always, well, I, I kind of did when I was in high school, I always wanted to be in a court storming thing. So then not, nothing ever happened. I, I thought it would have been cool. Um, my freshman year of college, I was with buddies at a UK football game and UK actually won a football game. So you so just, they stormed it, the field. D- yeah. didn't even matter who they beat. You just had to storm the field. Kent state. What and, a win. What a win. What a win. And, and I obviously don't care at all about UK football. So I'm like, uh, okay. And then I, all my buddies are going down. So I kind of just mosey on down there with a drink in hand as I walked down the steps onto the field and just stood there for a few minutes taking a, taking that's, a few steps. That's not even stormy. That's, no, like, that's that was, like waddling uh, on yeah, almost. Yeah, it was a very roaring court stormy experience. Yeah, yeah. It was my I, speed. It, it's the, the football one was a little scary when you've got 10,000 drunk students yeah, dude, from you, the student section at you full speed. Yeah, it gets swarmed under for goodness sakes. I mean, do you blame a player in that circumstance, Rick? Um, No, because if somebody talked crap to you after you just lost, you would – Punch them in the face. Yeah, <laughs> he's right. He's right. No, I, I like. Should you be punching people? No. The court storming thing is there's reasons that people have talked about it so much recently, and there's so much concern about it because you are putting players in a dangerous situation. Absolutely. Because who knows what kind of drunk idiot's going to do something to them? So should they be seeking that out? No. But I'm fully. If guys are running up to me and I, mean, and just, I don't know them and they're acting all crazy, I'm. It might put them down. This isn't going to happen in a court storm, but you just had a, had a Pittsburgh Steelers or a guy arrested um, in, in Texas for threatening Pittsburgh Steelers players. He was going to go kill them and, and kill some fans. I, I don't think somebody's storming the field to necessarily do that, but if I got some drunken idiot running at me full speed, yelling things at me... You don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to drop you. How many death threats have you had? Have I? Yeah. I don't think I've had any. Really? Not not, not at least that I know as of. As much of an a-hole as you are, nobody's ever been like, I'm going to kill you? Not, 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 see, the thing is, not to my knowledge. So you never know. Check internet message board. They're yeah. probably, probably all yeah. over there. Well, I know it, like your comment from 20 years ago still lives oh, hard on UC that, that's okay. fan bases. That, that, I'm, I'm okay what with was it? it? That, that UC would be better off with Rick Menner long-term as their football coach. <laughs> and, and, and he and, still believes and it. I still, still, I still believe it. it because they're in the hole now for paying football coaches. Kind of and they that. got to a, a Sugar Bowl in a, in a Where Orange Bowl. Where did that get to the Big 12? Yeah, they're, oh. they're the Big 12 because of – oh, no, they're oh, not. Okay. Still no. – Pretty damn fun time. For it the is, and it was great. I, I'm, I'm happy for those people. And you went to a bowl game where you fell down the steps face first? I did. A UC bowl game, as a matter of fact. With me? Yes, I did. I organized that. That was one of our first interactions. You didn't organize me falling down, though. I did that all on my own. <laughs> he shows up. We leave for Birmingham, Alabama at 7 o'clock in the morning. He shows up with a pint of early times. It's my guy. And beer. And beer. And just gets obliterated on the bus ride down there. What time was it? Seven in the morning. And what did he bring? 
Early times. Appropriate. Appropriate. <laughs> crushed ice that time of the morning? Appropriate, Huggins. Exactly. Exactly right. He's going for the Woodford, though, man. He's going well, for the good stuff. Because he can afford a Woodford. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, that's a good... That was a Back good... then... That's a good, well, you were... No, that was 96 Rock Days. That's yeah. where that originated. Yeah. Our, our, so that was a good trip, though. It was a fun trip. Saw Southern Miss in, in UC before 5,000 fans but in Have you ever in, seen in a, worse, a worse place in your life than the area around that football stadium? And yes, football Dayton. Sta- <laughs> Easily Dayton. Well played, sir. <laughs> right, do you have but a final not take? Not even Dayton looks like that. That looked like a bomb. That went didn't off. look like a bomb went off. What do you? <laughs> I just want your opinion on this one. Okay, this is final take time for Rick Boring. What do you think of former players coming back to watch their team play while wearing their own jersey? I saw that. Who did that? Edmund, Edmund Sumner. Sumner. Okay. He was wearing his own Xavier jersey? Yes. Wearing a Xavier jersey to the Xavier game yesterday. Maybe he wanted to make sure people remembered him. He thought people may have forgotten him in such a short it's period a, of time. It's a ballsy move. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot. Like, first of all, I think it's hilarious no matter what, so I enjoyed it. I can't decide whether I think that's just an amazing move that no, you I absolutely th- I, should do if you I can think, do it. I think it is because it, it does bother me when adults wear players' uniforms like somebody's got the Dalton jersey or the A.J. Green jersey. I don't know that's why it weird. bothers me. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's dude's jersey. It's, it's him. Own jersey. It's the dude. It's, yeah, it's I mean, him. That's, that's the Chris Henry move. And he didn't. Get I to, like it. He didn't get to spend that much time wearing it at Xavier because yeah. he left early. He's getting so. his Max Miles well, out. Yeah, of he's it. just trying to help. Nike was he wearing and Mario the color? Out. Was he wearing the color scheme of yesterday, or was he wearing? Well, they had throwbacks on, okay. so he just yeah, had his white. I know his normal white. Okay, I just didn't know if he got a throwback on. Why couldn't Mario have hooked him up with a? He probably could have. He probably should have asked. Yeah. I mean, they were a running man last year, a white running man. So he. Probably had one of those somewhere, too. I'm going on the straw. I'm going to give him kudos for that because it's his jersey. He can wear. He is Sumner, so he can wear a jersey that says Sumner. It's, it's a, I think it's a total alpha move to walk in an arena full of people that loved you, and you're like, I'm not hiding from anyone. I no, want man. them. They, I want them to know I'm right here hey, you know in that my is? jersey. You know that is? Sumner. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Look, it says it on the jersey. <laughs> well, that's the best, right? Whenever you see someone sure. in someone's jersey, there's oh, Andy, there's Andy Dalton, 350-pound guy at Circle K. Except it really was Edmund Except Sumner. Except it really was Edmund Sumner. Sumner. I like the move. All Give right. him a thumbs up. All right, boys, anything else? No. That's all we got. Hey, we want to thank uh, Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati hey! for sponsoring this edition of Rick the Skinny Podcast. Rick needs a car if any of those associates I there. I do. My car. If anyone listening to this podcast has a car they're looking to get rid of on the cheap, hit me up. There you go. We'll be At back. Rick uh, we'll be back. What day will we be back this week? Wednesday or Thursday? Um, Just so we can settle this now. Xavier plays Wednesday night, I think. UC played Thursday. UC plays Tuesday. Tuesday. So we'll be back Thursday, yeah, right? We can do Thursday. Perfect. Thursday. So we'll be back Thursday. So there you go. For Rick Boring and Chad Brendel. And Infinity of Cincinnati. Edition of the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition, sponsored by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey! hey!